But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far for their folly be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that you would help us, that this word of yours would be illuminated for us. God, we thank you that these, your scriptures, contain your authority. And God, I pray that our own hearts would be bowed down before you, and our lives would be open to you, that you would speak to us and we would listen. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness to your people. God, we rely upon that faithfulness even now. Let your name be lifted up and glorified. Amen. This morning, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about basically why I'm up here. Uh, I this is a little bit weird. I I feel like this is the week I'm supposed to justify my job in public. Um, it's a sort of de facto job review, because what we're talking about is why we place so much emphasis on the scriptures. 
But I'm not going to just talk to you about why I preach, but instead why the scriptures are so important to who we are as a people, as a church, as the church. Today, we are going to listen to and attend to this message that Paul gives to this young, younger man, Timothy. We believe that this is the last letter that Paul writes before he dies before his mission is completed. This is a fellow worker. He has sent Timothy many times in many places, and these are sort of his most personal last instructions. In 2 Timothy, we have a really warm and encouraging tone from Paul before he loses his life. And he warns Paul, uh, Timothy, of what is coming ahead of him. That there is a time coming, he says, in the last days. And we know that throughout scriptures in the early church, they understood themselves. We, we understand ourselves to be living in the last days. Yes, for 2,000 years. We are in a new era of history where Jesus has come. And the only things that are left to be done are the fulfillment, the completion of what he has largely accomplished already. So as people living in the last days, we listen to what Paul is saying to Timothy. And he warns him that there is times coming when there will be a, a, an escalation. There will be a changing. There will be a, a scurrying to and fro of people looking basically to gratify their own desires and appetites. He gives you a long list of sins. They should be relatively familiar to you by observation. You should be able to say, yes, I am familiar with such behavior. Certainly, if you're a parent, you noticed one in particular, disobedience to parents. That is widespread in my household, I have learned. And so my parents tell me was true in their household as well. But we are also a people who can be brutal, we can refuse the good, we can be all of the long list of things that Paul describes. We are living in the middle of the list that Paul gives. And Paul gives instruction, an antidote to Timothy. He says repeatedly throughout this text that the cure for all of this is that you are attentive to what you have been taught. So that you can separate out deception from truth. Because it's not just bad behavior that is, that is an issue for Paul. Repeatedly, he shows throughout this text. All of this is stemming from and resulting in deception. It is, it is an obscuring of the truth. And so therefore, the truth pushes back against all of these things that Paul describes. We are a people who point to the scriptures and acknowledge what Paul has written, not just to Timothy, but for us, that all of the scriptures are God-breathed. And they have for us authority to bear on our lives, to clear out the brush that crowds into our minds and our hearts. And so we make lots of space for the scriptures. And we, in a particularly evangelical and reformed tradition, make even more space for it. Now, I've, um, I've been, most of you know, I've been doing 
classwork for years at an Anglican seminary, and every day that I'm there for class, we have to go to a morning and evening prayer. And the, one of the weirdest things for me, as somebody coming from a Reformed and Anglican, uh, Reformed and Evangelical tradition, was I would go to these prayer services, they would read the Bible, someone would get up to preach, and they would do their introduction, and then it would be over. They'd talk for 10 minutes, and then they would go do something else. And I am sitting there waiting for parts one, two, and three to follow. I, I thought they are making a profound mistake. Now, the, my Anglican, Anglican friends would turn to me and say, we read the Bible out loud way more than you. We love the Bible. I'm not opposed to my Anglican friends. But when you come to one of our services, if you go to pretty much any Presbyterian church, if you go to a Presbyterian and Evangelical church, you'll find this happening. Some dude gets up and talks forever and ever and ever. Amen. Why is this happening? Why do we, this people, make so much space in our worship services? And, and if I knew you personally, if I know you personally, you would know that I believe that in your own personal life, you should also be opening up the Bible and regularly turning to it. Why do we talk so much about reading the Bible? The Bible, we believe, the scriptures, as Paul describes them, bear the authority of God to move in and to, one, cut back and against all the things that you and I naturally turn towards. Deception most often looks like using spiritual or religious language to justify the things that you naturally crave. Most people, that's how they're going to go astray. You're probably not going to be somebody who is headed one direction and say, you know what makes sense to me now? Probably building pagan uh, idols and killing goats to it. That's probably what's going to make sense to me. That's not the kind of idolatry, that's not kind of deception that you and I are going to be inclined towards. What we will be more inclined to do is to build religious language around what we already want. And people, Paul warns Timothy, there are going to people, be people who come who are themselves smooth talkers, who are on a mission to bend you away from the will of God. All of those things being true. We make lots and lots, some of you are saying too much, space for the word. We believe that the word moves in to cut back. And we also believe that the word moves in to reveal. What we believe about the scriptures is that they are not just cultural artifact. They are not just a piece of literature. The scriptures are in fact God presenting himself to people and saying, this is what I am like. Because God wants you to know him. This is important. The creator God who has made all things 
has made the world in such a way that you would look at it and know that he is there. And he did not stop with the creation of the world, but instead bent down and whispered to us in our own language so that you would not just know that he is there, but what he is like. In the Bible that you keep on a shelf, on a desk, under a bed, who knows where, is brimming with that revelatory power. It is not just a book on your shelf. It is the very word and revelation of God himself. Now, reading the Bible is a, is a fraught exercise. There are things, there is baggage that goes with it. There is difficulty that goes with it. And I just want to talk about a few ways that this goes wrong. Because it often has, it often does. One is you can read the Bible in order to rule and to dominate. Many people have experienced that. Somebody like me will stand in front of everyone, open a Bible, point to these few verses and use it to make other people do what they want them to do. This is in fact a major cultural objection to this book and to this exercise. People in our culture will believe this is all that this is all about. Somebody is trying to get you to do what they want you to do. And what we have to admit and acknowledge is that has definitely happened. That is not a groundless objection. There are, there are history examples strewn through the centuries. It is happening probably right now, not too far from here, hopefully not here presently. It is, it is an easy thing to do. And I would say it is not just people like me that you should be suspicious of. You should look at yourself in the mirror. We are people inclined to use anything that we can grasp for to get what we want. And the Bible can be used as a tool to manipulate and to power into manipulating to power and to enslave people. That is true. And you ought to look like, look at who gains from such usage so that you might not be deceived by it. Now, that same sort of reality leads to another error. Not just to rule over others, there's an error where you read to be the ruler. And what I mean by that is you read the Bible and decide, I will accept what I want. I will be the arbiter of truth. I will decide what is right and what is wrong. I will come to the portions of the Bible that I do not like, and I will put my fingers over those things. I will decide who is right, what is right, and what is wrong. So even if you are not projecting outward onto the world a means of control and power, you might use that own, your own rationale inward towards yourself and say, I will decide that I'm the king, 
I am the queen and I will decide what is true and what is false. If the Bible never disrupts your agenda, you are not reading the Bible. You are looking in a mirror. The Bible messes with you. The Bible gets into your junk drawer and pulls out everything that you don't want people to see. The Bible will throw speed bumps on your life time and time again. And if it is not, you are simply not reading the Bible. You are not the king or the queen. God is. Do not make the mistake to read the Bible as if you are God. Now, there's another error that sort of generates, it, it inflames these other errors. Reading the Bible alone. See, if you grew up in a tradition like mine, where you were told time and again, you need to read your Bible in your quiet time, your personal devotion, whatever you called it, you understood that this means... I read the Bible in a room by myself and whatever the Bible tells me, that is what is right and that is what I will do. Let me tell you what happens when you do that. You get stuff wrong. I get stuff wrong. We believe that the scriptures are the authoritative voice in the life of the church. That does not mean that you personally get to decide what the Bible means. And if anybody tells you something different, they are in fact right and you are wrong because you know three Bible verses that back up the thing that you believe. Unfortunately, this happens all the time. Protestants, we're good at this. Well, I know this is right because verses 1, 2, and 3, we are splitting this church. Good day to you, sir. We're the right ones. You're the wrong ones. You do not read the Bible alone. You should not read. I don't mean you never have quiet time. I don't mean that you never get to only read this out loud in a room by yourself. What I do mean is we read this as a church. We read this as the church. And so if you run into a life in the scriptures where you have suddenly realized that you are saying something that nobody else in the room is saying, you should pay attention to that. It is possible that you are right and everyone else is wrong. That is one possibility. The more likely scenario is you are wrong. In fact, the wise thing to do in that circumstance is probably to submit to the wisdom of your brothers and sisters now and through time. We read and interpret together as a people because this is the book of the God who has a people. Reading alone enables you to put your fingers over the text and rule out the things you don't like. It enables you to use the text as a tool to dominate, to domineer. 
But when you read the Bible as a company, you have your brothers and sisters saying, no, 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 no. You need to put that, that tool down, man. Or no, 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 my sister, you need to read this text and let it read you. Now, another way that reading the Bible can go wrong is if you use the scriptures as a ladder to climb your way to God. Now, this happens so subtly, so easily, all the time. If I read my Bible enough, if I read my Bible as many days in a row as possible, in sufficient quantity, if I get through the Bible, and that's a mature Christian, a mature Christian is one who reads the whole Bible in one calendar year, that's the marker of Christian maturity, if I can just rise to that level, God will be pleased with me. And so then when you fail to read your Bible, you can say in your accountability groups or, or whatever it is that you have, I really feel I've been really sinful because I failed to read the required number of chapters in my Bible plan to get through the Bible in a year or whatever it is. Maybe it's 90 days. Maybe you're super Christian. You're doing the 90-day reading plan. Maybe you've only gotten through all of the Psalms four times this year instead of six or whatever it is, whatever your marker is, I just haven't risen to that level. Now God's mad at me and if I could just catch up on the Bible reading plan, then I will have attained approval with God and someday I'll be good enough because I will read the Bible enough. I'll have memorized enough things. I'll know enough theology and then finally I will feel that God is happy with me for one time. This is not how the Bible works. The Bible is not a moral and intellectual self-improvement plan. The scriptures are God's own revelation of himself. When you pick up the Bible, you do not need to earn God's approval. God has put the text into your hands as an expression of his love and approval available to you. God revealed himself to you, not because you earned it or found yourself uh, worthy or deserving, but because you were unworthy and you were lost and you were far away. God approached you, put his words in your hand and said to you with all of creation, I am here and this is what my love looks like. I love you. I'm coming after you and you should just turn to me. When you neglect the Bible, you are not moving up and down God's approval sliding scale. When you move away from scripture, do you move further and further away from a clear running stream of God's authority and truth? Absolutely. Is that a smart thing to do? No. That's not a smart thing to do. 
But as God's sitting there on the other side of this stream of clear running revelation and say, well, they've read their Bible seven days in a row now. I've never been happier than now. If they get to eight, I'll be even happier. But if you start over again, and if it's at one, then, well, I kind of tolerate you. God loves his people. The Father has come to his people to give you that love. All of scripture is crystal clear when you see it through one lens. And it is the lens of the cross. The whole of the scriptures is going to have a lot for you. A whole life that is possible to be lived with Jesus. But if you cannot read the Bible with the cross in front of you, you will not hear what it properly says. And the cross is the clearest sign, the clearest revelation of who God is. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The scriptures are a testimony of the greatness of Jesus. When you are reading the difficult parts of the Bible that you just are trying to grind through Leviticus, you are just trying to do it and get through that one-year Bible plan like a good and holy person. If you're just trying to move through it and just read all of these regulations and try to envision where is the blood being splattered, what lobe of the liver is going where, you will be so lost and bored. But if you will read Leviticus and see that Jesus is himself, a high priest that came to a people who was not looking for a priest and not offered a lamb or a goat somewhere out there, but instead put himself on the altar to be the sacrifice so that you would also be sanctified like the priest himself, Leviticus will start to unwrap itself a little bit for you. If you can read the book of Kings and see failure after failure after failure and God saying, if you keep doing this, I'm going to punish you and him not punish them over and over and over and over and over again. He doesn't do the thing that he said he was going to do before he finally, eventually, centuries later, finally does it. And you can hear that God longs to give you mercy. God is desperate to give you goodness and life. He longs to withhold wrath from you so that you would receive his goodness. And the history of Israel will unfold itself to you. If you will hear the prophets screaming, pulling their hair out, shouting to all of Israel, stop doing this, turn away, don't forget, move back to the God who will save you, and though you will not, he will come for you. And the cross will start to emerge out of the shadows. And you will find that even in the darkest of dark news, the whole point of the scriptures is that God wanted you to see Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so when you are failing and falling so short and you have missed every other day of your Bible reading plan 
and found yourself once more to be a mediocre, inconsequential, hint and miss, hit and miss Christian. You will hear the truth for you too. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When you are struggling to understand and the Bible feels cold and closed to you, but you find yourself turning just to one verse today and stumbling into the house of God with your hands outstretched that wine and bread would touch your hands too. You will see the truth. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The Scriptures breathe with God's authority. The holy and majestic God who made all things has kept coming for people like me and you, showing himself to be better than all of our own abuses and misuses and missteps. Jesus Christ and him crucified. God revealed to his people now and forever. If you are here today and you have wandered far away from the scriptures, if you have wandered far away from the God who reveals himself there, I am proclaiming to you what Paul says is the antidote to all the insanity of the world and the darkness of deception the teachings of the apostles, the proclamation of the prophets, that God loves people like you. And today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but respond and receive what he offers to you. And if you are here today and you know in, in the center of your heart that you have used your own performance your own Bible memorization powers, your theology degrees, your numbers of times through the Bible, and you have unwittingly used those as a claim, a tool of manipulation to get God to give you what he owes you. So you have hung your ladder of approval on your performance. What God has for you is only a gift it is only grace. He refuses your bargaining and your comprom compromises. He demands that you only accept what he offers you entirely and for free. And if you have been living a life under that old regime, repent, turn around, and come home. And if you have been living a life that has just been under your own rule and authority. And you have never, ever bowed the knee to the God who was crucified for you. The prophets and the apostles, the saints of the ages are proclaiming this to you today, that for you as well, it is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you should come home to receive all that he has done for you.
today is the day of our reckoning with this God who speaks. And glory be to God, he speaks still to us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that your word is trustworthy and true. Your people are often not. We've got our own baggage. We've got our own poor experiences. We've got our own personal failures and faults. But you, God, are the one who still speaks. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will ignite and apply what is spoken aloud to the inner caverns of our hearts. God, for all of those who have wandered far away from the scriptures and wandered into self-rule, God, I pray that you would call them home, that you would help them to to see that the Bible is, is not there to imprison them, but to set them free. God, I pray that they would find the the milk and then the meat of the word of God. And Father, I pray for those who have religiously devoted themselves to the text, but have not done so to see revelation, but have instead tried to force your hand and demand that you give them what they desire. Father, I pray that you would pry open their hands and open their hearts, that they might receive what you have for them entirely as a gift. God, I pray for any and all who are in here who have never heard your voice. They may have heard the Bible read a thousand times. They may have heard people talk about you a thousand times, but they have never heard your voice until now. And God, I pray that today... They will not harden their hearts, but they would instead turn and respond and come home to the God who has been speaking for centuries and centuries and centuries, has been speaking to them. Father, we love you, and we are overwhelmed at your love for us. You are holy, you are glorious. You are the creator God who's made everything by the word of his power. And that you have stooped so low to speak to us. God, may our hearts respond to you with joy and relief. Cause everything that is in us to leap for joy at the sound of your voice. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your love for us. Amen.